What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I hope you've had a fantastic week so far. Hope your Thursday is going well. Thanks so much for tuning in to the 43rd episode of the Footballer's Journey podcast. Can you believe it? 43 episodes speaking with great individuals, great professionals. I'm really enjoying it. I'm learning something new every single episode, and I'm sure you guys are as well. Today, we got a special guest on today, one of my good friends in Israel, also plays in Israel about 45 minutes away from me, playing in the second league called Liga Lumit for Hapoel Afula. His name is Jake Rosansky. He's a number 10 or a winger. He's 23 years old, originally from Maryland. He played his college football at the University of Virginia before transferring to the University of Maryland. After spending four years in school and getting his degree, he made a move out to Israel and signed in the first league with Maccabi Netanya. After that, he made a move to Hapoel Katamon, Jerusalem, and this year he's playing for Hapoel Afula. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I'm sure you will get a lot of value out of it as I did. And yeah, I'll see you at the end of the episode. My guy. Yo. How are you, brother? I'm good, bro. You? Good, man. Thanks for finally taking the time to come on the pod, my brother. <laughs> no problem. It's my pleasure. Appreciate it, bro. So, um, yeah, man, if you could just introduce yourself to the to the listeners, would be great. Just uh, your name, how old you are, where you're originally from, where you're currently playing, and your position. Okay. Um, my name is Jake Rosansky. I'm 23 years old. I'm originally from Maryland in the United States. Um, I played college soccer at UVA for a year and a half and then transferred to Maryland. Um, after I graduated from college, moved over to Israel, um, signed with Maccabi Netanya. Um, and currently I'm playing for Hapo Afula and I'm, a I'm a center mid or a winger. Play play both. Sounds good, man. Uh, so how old were you when you signed in Netanya? I was 21 and a half. Okay. Um, so you played all, all four years in college? Yeah, I played all four years. I graduated a semester early in December. And then maybe a week after I graduated college, I moved straight to Israel. Mm-hmm. Interesting, man. So what kind of like made you come to Israel instead of pursuing options in the U.S.? Um, the year before, I had pl- never been to Israel. Um, and that summer before I graduated, one of my other Jewish teammates um, was like, there's this tournament called Maccabi Games. Um, it's going to be a great time, especially if you've never been to Israel and it's good competition. Um, you should think about going. And um, I ended up going. And I did really well. I was a top goal scorer in the tournament. <clears throat> and we won We won the gold medal. And after that tournament, I guess a couple of teams had been watching and had asked me to stay after the Maccabi Games. Unfortunately, I couldn't because I had to go back to school for my last semester. Um, but that's when the whole process started. And then I did my last year, my last semester in college. And I hired an agent. And I was thinking about going the U.S. route. Um, but Maccabi and Natanya offered me to come on trial for a week. And um, my original plan was actually to go to Maccabi and Natanya and then come back for the MLS Combine and see what both sides were like in my options. Um, but on my last day in Israel, I was supposed to fly the next morning. Maccabi and Natanya offered me a contract and asked me to stay. They told me they didn't want me to go back home. Um, so I kind of made a decision in like 20 minutes after talking with my family that I was just going to stay. And I never ended up going to the combine or anything like that. And I'd been in, and then I stayed in Israel the rest of the season. Wow. Interesting, Mark. So how, how was your experience (laughs) at Netanya, you know, from the jump from uh, college soccer to Netanya? What, what would you say like some major differences were and uh, what did you kind of notice making the jump from the U S to Israel? Well, it was a huge, a huge difference. Like, I was on my own in college, but not really because, you know, when you play college soccer at like a program like Maryland, like they take really good care of you. 
it's really mm-hmm. professional. Um, so like you never really have to worry about like off the field stuff, like food, like um, getting treatments and stuff like that. It's all taken care of. <clears throat> and when I went to Natanya, um, it was really like a wake up call. Like it really was my first time on my own. And yeah, I was with a professional club, but it's like you're at the club for like three, four hours in the day and then you're on your own. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're in college where like you go to training and then like you can go to the training room later that, you know, that afternoon or something like that. Like you, you go there, you do your work and then you come home and then the rest is up to you, like cooking and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but uh, let's see what other differences were there. Like the, the style of play was really different. Um, not being able to speak the language, um, mm-hmm. at first and, um, just getting acclimated to like really being my own in like a foreign territory. It was, it was very different. And, uh, the fans, um, playing in really big stadiums, that was mm-hmm. definitely different. Um, and it's all things that are just like, you, it takes time to get used to and you have to, you have to be prepared because, like, there's going to be downfalls and times where it's difficult, especially if you're on your own. And you just have to be prepared for that and stay, like, even keel. For sure. Um, also, you know, what would you compare, like, the intensity of the trainings? Uh, obviously, you're going from a, from a place uh, in college where players aren't paid to a place where, you know, players are putting food on the, on the table for their families. Did you notice, like, a different hunger in the players? <laughs> In some, um, you know, in some players, I I noticed, like, yeah, this is their livelihood and, like, they're fighting for themselves. In some, like, just, like, in college, like, I feel like some guys were there and, like, they knew, they knew, like, uh, that they're okay. You know what I mean? They didn't have to, mm-hmm. like, go crazy or, like, they would be okay. And I noticed that. And then I feel like in college, um, it was the same. Because there were some guys that were there to go pro. And, like, I'm using this as a stepping stone to go pro. And there was other guys who were mm-hmm. like, it's great that I'm here. But I don't think I'm going to maybe go further with this. I'm just going to use this mm-hmm. to get a college degree. Um, mm-hmm. But the pressure, the pressure was was way harder. Like, way, the pressure was crazy in Atanya compared to what I experienced in, in college. Like, we didn't win a couple games. Mm-hmm. The fans got on us. Like the the newspapers are writing about us. Um, it's, it's all in all in Israel. It's like that. Um, mm-hmm. the, that that's the big difference. The pressure. For sure, for sure. And then I'm sure the everyday demand at training was uh, much higher because you know you're there and and the fans are pressing you to get three points on the weekend. Yeah, you. I mean, you have to prepare well and especially when things aren't going well, um, the training gets a lot more, like it gets a lot crazier and it gets like, there's a lot more pressure in the training because you got to show yourself in the training if you want to play in the game and then in the following game and you know, you know how it goes. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think, you know, in the professional game, it's just a doggy dog world. It's cutthroat and uh, you know, no one cares about, how you're feeling and your emotions you just gotta perform on the field and that's it exactly exactly so when you were at Netanya were you li- were you living in Netanya were you living in Tel Aviv what was your living situation um I got in the team got me an apartment in Netanya I was living with mm-hmm. one other guy um it ended up being a good situation because I had some family that I had never met that lived in Netanya um so I was close with close to them and I actually got close with them um Spent a lot of time with them when I was in Netanya. It was perfect situation because I was close to the training ground, close to the stadium. Um, got had everything I needed. For sure. No, and I, I think also, like you pointed out, um, when you're in college and you got all your buddies around you, you know, everyone's speaking English. You're you're in a place that you're used to. You know, you, you think like it's um, you, you don't realize the situation you're in until you get put put in an uncomfortable situation you know you go to israel people are speaking hebrew different language uh different attitude towards football and towards life 
Uh, and I think one of the most important things, if you agree with me, is like having that support around you, you know, whether it's family, good friends to keep you focused. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I came to Israel like not knowing anyone, not even knowing my, my distant cousins who I ended up meeting. And at first it was really, really difficult because, you know, as a foreigner, you're really only looking like the only thing you're looking forward to every day is like the training. Like that's what you're looking forward to mm -hmm. the most. And like, if you're, if a training doesn't go well or a game doesn't go well, like you're home, you go home and you're by yourself. And um, for sure, like you're seven or seven hours ahead here from our home. So it's like, you can't talk to your family all the time. You're alone. Um, it's like, what do you do? And uh, you can't get caught too caught up in that. That's definitely a lesson I've learned. Like you have mm -hmm. to go, you have to go out and you have to go enjoy life. And you have to, mm -hmm. even if you're in a new place and you're, and you're alone, you got to do that. I've also um, started to see a mental coach here, um, which I never, ever did in college or high school. Um, it was something that was like, I never, I don't think I'll ever have to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's helped me tremendously. Um, I go see my mental coach probably one to two times a month. Um, mm -hmm. Just to talk about, like, it's not even everything on the field. It's, like, how I'm feeling off the field. Um, For sure. And it just helps me, like, stay focused. And I think it really helps my performance because every time I step out of my mental coach's office, even, like, for the next couple of days after, week after, like I'm thinking about what he's telling me and it makes me feel mm -hmm. like mentally strong and um, like I'm, I'm stronger than I think I am. Um, For sure. And I made a big jump to come here alone and I have to always remember that. Like not, not everyone's doing what I'm doing. For sure, brother. No. And, and I think jumping back to your point, I think that's one of the most important parts and underrated parts of football, especially when you're, like you said, you're alone in a foreign land. Um, you know, like you said, football is your life and you came for football. So like you said, you look forward to training every day. You look forward to the matches, but you know, if you don't have a good training or you don't have a good match and then you go home and it's just an empty home. It's like, dude, you're just dealing with your emotions. And, um, mm -hmm. I think that's the toughest part. Like you said, man, like just not letting your emotions get to you. First of all, it's much easier said than done, but I think that's one of the most important things, like being able to like even completely detach from football sometimes, like you said, uh, going to hang out with friends, uh, going out for a night, not saying you have to go out and get hammered, but go hang out with the boys, go hang out with a couple of girls and get your mind off football. And like you said, I know you're, you're a dedicated guy, very serious and disciplined, um, but sometimes you have to like let loose to let the mind go. And that actually helps your football on the pitch. Yeah. I mean, at this point, what I've learned is like, I can't, I can't go home after a training session and literally just sit all day and like watch Netflix. Like I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. cause my mind just starts going everywhere and I'm thinking about this <laughs> and this and like, it ends up being negative. A lot of time it ends up being negative. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I really have to detach myself from the football and I have to like, I'll go home, I'll go to the gym, I'll drive somewhere just to like walk around, hang out, go to the beach. Luckily we're close to the beach here in Israel. So do that reading, um, any kind of those things like reading self-help books, like those also help a lot. My mental coach tells me to do that. Um, mm -hmm. so I just gotta, I, I gotta get involved and other stuff other than football, because otherwise it's like not healthy. It's because that's all you're looking forward to. For sure. No. And then like another key point there is like, everyone thinks like in, in order to improve your football, you have to, you have to be grinding. Like you have to be in the gym and on the field, which I'm all for. Like I love grinding, but like you said, sometimes you have to detach physically and, and work on your mental game. And sometimes it's okay to relax. And uh, like you said, get your mind off football. You don't have to be thinking football 24 seven, you know, even though yeah. that's our, our love and our life. Uh, sometimes, like you said, just getting away from it just makes you a more creative, you know, player person. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, we, it makes you better on the pitch. We go to the training ground in the morning, um, all the all the guys here, and we spend like three, four hours, and we're we're doing a lot there. Like, and I'm mm-hmm. sure I I like to do stuff on my own also after before after training. Go to the the little gym we have before training, and so like mm-hmm. you're doing work every day. It's not like we're not working football wise. We're of course we're working sure. football wise. Like we just need you need a break after you need to give your mind exactly. a break. Exactly. Yeah. With that being said, like, can you take us through a typical day in your life uh, over at Afula? Uh, when you wake up, uh, what time you have breakfast, what you have for breakfast, mm-hmm. you know, uh, training, uh, what you have for lunch and just like a typical day in the life. If you could give us some times, time slots and then as, as much detail as possible would be good. Yeah, of course. So every day um, we have training at 930 in the morning. We have to be there at 930. Um, and luckily, I live a two-minute drive from the training ground. So I usually wake up at 8 o'clock. Um, mm-hmm. And for breakfast, I don't like to do breakfast because I don't like the feeling of being full and going into training. Um, mm-hmm. So I usually just do like um, the yogurt they have here in Israel with the protein and granola. Um, mm-hmm. I do that and like a banana. Um, and then I'll use, I usually try to get to the training ground, like at least 15 minutes early. So I'll be there like nine fifteen. Um, and if we have to be there at nine thirty, we go out to the field at 10. So I'll get there like nine fifteen. I'll go to the gym and I'll just do a little bit of activation. I'll go on the bike for like five minutes. And then I just like to get my legs ready. I don't even do any upper body. I just like do some calf raises, um, I stretch, I do a little bit of leg press, not too heavy, just to like make sure get my mm-hmm. muscles ready. Um, mm-hmm. Training will be two, two and a half hours um, by the time I end up leaving the training ground. And um, it will be like around one o'clock by the time I get home. Um, when I get home, I go straight to the kitchen and I'm, <laughs> I'm cooking, I'm cooking something. Usually I, I just cook at one o'clock for lunch and dinner. Cause I, I don't want to cook twice mm-hmm. in a day. Um, so for example, like today I made, um, schnitzel, sweet potato, and, uh, I got some pasta. I got a lot of carbs today. Um, mm-hmm. so then I'll, I'll eat that be finished like one, two, around two o'clock. I usually take a nap for an hour, two to three. And then it's, then it's the time where like, my days can change from like three to like t- 11. I, um, mm-hmm. if I want to go chill with friends, I go, I can go to Tel Aviv. Um, if I'm just staying in a Fula, I'll definitely go to the gym. If I have nothing else to do, um, I'll go to the gym. Um, I'll read, I'll watch some Netflix. Um, any, any kind of like any combination of those things. If I'm not, heading out of the house to go somewhere um Mm -hmm. but definitely always like keeping busy like i can't i'm not the person that can just sit from like three to eleven o'clock and just do nothing for sure um in terms of gym work how do you look at gym work in season uh you have a specific routine or just how your body feels um you know last year in my first year in natanya um, I was like with the mindset that like, if I'm playing, I wasn't really doing much gym work. And then last year I started to have some issues with my hamstrings and I realized that I wasn't doing enough strengthening of my hamstrings and my lower body. Cause I always was like mm-hmm. with the mindset, like, Oh, if I'm playing, like I just need a rest. Um, mm-hmm. if I'm playing a lot. Um, but now my mindset's kind of changed where it was like, no, I need to continually like do maintenance on my on my body. Like I'm not sure. trying to do heavy like heavy squats and like lunges and like Olympic lifts and all that. But like mm-hmm. I need to keep my legs strong um in season. So for example, I went yesterday to the gym and I was like, you know what? I didn't really feel my legs today much in training. Like we had kind of an easy training session. So I mm-hmm. went and I just did like some squats, some lunges, um some RDLs. Um, just cause I, I wanted to feel my legs, especially, um, usually for upper body, I try to do at least one to two upper body sessions a week. 
on my own. Um, mm-hmm. What type of stuff are you doing for upper body? Um, I do like a lot of um, lat pull downs. I do a lot of like stuff with dumbbells. Um, Any curls for the girls? Sometimes, you know, gotta <laughs> gotta make the biceps and triceps look good. Um, a lot of dumbbell stuff, though. I try to try to stay away from like the machines a lot. I do like mm-hmm. the free weights and like body weight stuff, pull ups, push ups. Um, but in the off season, it's completely different. Um, For sure. I went home after last season, started work out with the guys at Maryland that were around and like was doing like heavy squats, heavy Olympic mm-hmm. lifts, um, and, uh, really like strengthening my, my body for the, for the following preseason. Um, but in season, it's mm-hmm. more like maintenance stuff. For sure. Um, and in terms of pitch work, you do any extra pitch work during the season or, uh, what's your take on that? Um, I love to stay after training. I think that's like one of the most important aspects of a player. Um, mm-hmm. cause you know, when you're with a full team, it, it's training is great with a full team. You can do more things, but the coach is more focused on like team stuff, tactics. Um, mm-hmm. and you can't get that individual stuff. And for me, like f- doing finishing on my own, um, mm-hmm just like shooting rep repetitively, like after training, I think that's one of the most important things. Um, doing even a little bit of like dribbling with through cones and stuff. That's important. Um, but it depends on your body and how you're feeling. Um, if, if it's a hard training session, I'll, I'll be like, not today, but, um, like today after training, um, I stayed after hit a couple of balls, hit a, hit a couple of free kicks. Um, that's just like the the part of training that gets your confidence up because you're just doing it repetitively and you, I think that's really important. For sure. What would you say your biggest strengths of your game are? I would say my two biggest strengths are like my ability to go one-on-one, my dribbling. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say probably my passing. Um because I think I can a lot of passes, and especially after I go, if I go past the defender, you know, the defense starts to open up more, and another defender will come to me, and I think that's, like, the moment where I can give a good pass um, that can lead to something dangerous. For sure. Um, what, you know, I've been talking with a lot of guys on this, on the podcast, uh, friends as well. Just, like, you think it's important to – to work on your strengths and make them better or really tackle your weaknesses or a combination of both? Uh, definitely a combination of both. Um, mm-hmm. Like I feel like when I was younger, uh, shooting was, shooting was really a weakness of mine. Um, mm-hmm. Just cause like I was one of those smaller kids and smaller guys. And like, I didn't have as much strength and power in my shot. Um, and also, I, I wasn't practicing it enough, and I ended up practicing, practicing, and, I, and now I think I've made it one of my strengths. Like, I, I think I hit a good ball. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, you should definitely try to make your strengths, like, even better because if you're already some, good at something and it's, like, a God-given ability, if you can make that even, mm-hmm. like, a percent or two better, that's going to, like, stand you out from everyone else. Um, but also, you can't be lacking in – other areas like the number one example I can think of is like somebody's weak foot. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you see a lot of players that really only use one foot. um, But like you got to be able to use the other foot. Like if the ball comes to you and you're right footed and the ball comes to your left, you got to, it's a shooting opportunity. You got to be able to be good enough to hit, to hit the ball correctly Um, Mm -hmm. or dribble or anything. Um, so you should definitely work on that if it's if it's a weakness. Like if your weak foot is a weakness in your game, then you should definitely be working on it. It's definitely a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And also, what I you know completely agree with you that it's it's a mix of both. Uh, it's about a balance, but I think it's just so important. Like you know, the fact that you took out two things uh, that are your biggest strengths are huge. You know, because for example, when a when a 
if someone thinks of you, you want them to think of your two strengths right away. That's what I kind of think of like, you know, and being able to hone in on those and work on those and make them like something that you're known for will make you more of like that player that's, you know, quote, stand out instead of just a solid average player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, man. Um, also, I wanted to ask you, you know, you were talking about self-help books and reading. You, you recommend any books for the listeners? Ooh. Now I got to get the title of this book. I just, start, <laughs> I just started this book. Um, hold on. So I can give you the right title. Uh, it's called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm, of course. Um, Love that. So I just started that book. Um, the Four Agreements. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Is that kind of a spiritual one, The Four Agreements? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit spiritual. Um, a, lot of, a lot of books I've been reading, like um, – they're about the mental side, like think and grow rich. And they're also like about also like saving money and you know how to, because mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that they don't teach in school is like, for sure. Um, how to grow a fortune and stuff like that. And like the, the traits you need um, mm-hmm. to do that. And that's, I, I just started this book, think and grow rich. And that's, that's exactly what it's about. So for I would, sure. I and and I think, you know, it's, I think it's a great point. Like you said there, like even, even though it might not have to do directly with football, being able to think about your finances and, and uh, spend your money wisely and other parts of life will add to bettering yourself on the pitch because with that money, you can invest in uh, a mental coach. You can invest in a, in a personal trainer. You can invest in better food for yourself. Yeah. So all that stuff indirectly adds up to making you a better player. Yeah, it's all about investing in yourself. That's the best investment you can make. And all these books, I mean, they're very easy investments for yourself. Very cheap investments mm-hmm. that can help your life like tenfold. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, in terms of your nutrition, how do you look at your nutrition? you have any specific <laughs> diet or... How do you uh, how do you approach your nutrition and your eating? This is one of the biggest things that I've learned since I became a pro was my how I wasn't really aware of my nutrition at all when I was in college because um, mm-hmm. I was eating whatever in athlete dining halls. Everything was like given to me. It was easy, and it's more, mm-hmm. much more difficult when you have to do it on your own. Um, and I think exactly. when I first came to Israel, my nutrition was poor and like. I did meet with a nutritionist that the team the team had, and we went to the grocery store together, and she was showing me what I should buy, what I shouldn't buy. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not on any specific diet. Um, but, you know, like, I know after I have a hard session, I got to get a lot of protein in, and, like, before games, I got to get a lot of carbs in. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a little different than the other players. Like, in Israel, if we have a 7 o'clock game – and it's away, you know, we're leaving, we're driving to the stadium at like one or two, um, depending on where mm-hmm. the game is. And like my roommate will eat before we leave the apartment and he'll never eat again mm-hmm. before the game. I'm always taking food with me. Um, Cause I'm not the biggest guy and I can't eat a lot at one time. So I'm mm-hmm. like eating constantly throughout the day. Um, a lot of little snacks, like, to get my carbs in because um, mm-hmm. my worst feeling is if I'm in a training or a game and I'm hungry, like that's for sure. I, I can't stand that. Um, so usually before a game, it's like, I'll get, I'll get like some salmon or some, some chicken, um, some kind of potatoes or rice, uh, pasta um, and some vegetables. Like if I have time and I'm like motivated enough, um, I'll cut vegetables and do all that. If I'm not, I'll just do the meat and the and the carbs. For sure, for sure. Like you said, you know, you change up your diet. What what did you really notice, like, the difference in how you felt in your performance after changing your diet from college to playing pro? Uh, I just felt like I had more energy. Um, mm-hmm. I stopped dealing with, like, niggling injuries. Um, 
I I always have had a cramping problem. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm playing 90 minutes, like by the end, I can feel like the the bumps in my muscles that like I'm about to cramp or I do cramp. And when I started like looking at my nutrition more and more, and I started like doing more maintenance on my legs on my own, I I saw the problem just go away. Um, I stopped cramping now. Mm. What what type have you like? You said the nutritionist told you to cut out some specific foods. Uh, what what was she pointing to uh, for the most part? Um, just like it, in Israel, the food is really good. Um, oh, I think yeah. you know that, um, but a lot of it can be unhealthy. <laughs> and she was just giving me tips, like for example, like shawarmas are very popular food here. And she was like, mm-hmm. you know think you need to stay away from shawarma but actually after a training session if you get a plate of shawarma like once every um once like every couple of weeks like nothing crazy like it's actually good for you mm-hmm. you get the protein um sure. i was drinking regular milk and uh, like regular two percent milk here and she was like mm-hmm. um there's actually this pro milk here that has that's better for you and it, nutrition wise it's better for you um Mm -hmm. and it's not even that much more expensive it's like almost the same price like why don't you just substitute Mm -hmm. that for the regular milk you're drinking um and just stuff like that like getting rid of sweets and um substituting them for like nuts and trail mix like things like that just easy substitutions you can make that make a difference in your nutrition for sure and like like with everything, every little thing, every little detail just helps you a little more. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so what's your, your favorite pre-match meal? <clears throat> My favorite pre-match meal? Wow. This is like right before the game or the night before the game? Uh, whatever, whatever you want, want to talk mm. about. Um, bef- the night before a game, I like to have salmon and um, mm-hmm. some rice. Um. And then, like, right before the game, I like some kind of meat and um, sweet potato. Like, I've been going crazy with the sweet potato lately. Um, I know you do, too. I see you make a lot of sweet potato. <laughs> um, it just tastes really good, and it's it's very healthy, um, and it just gives For a sure. lot of energy. So, it's you can't go wrong with it. And you, and you just don't feel bloated or anything after yeah, it, like some other carb. Not at all. Um, in ter- you take any additional supplements? Um, I take magnesium mm-hmm. every night. Um, other than that, not that I can think of. I take this thing before games. Um, let's see, what is it called? It's a, it's a hydration thing that I do just because mm-hmm. like I'm scared of cramping. Um, but I haven't cramped in a long time. It's called the right stuff. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. drinking it since college. It just has a bunch of electrolytes, and um, it tastes terrible. Um, yeah. But it's been getting the job done since college, and I drink that. Um, I'll take a bottle of water, and I'll pour that stuff into the bottle of water, and I'll drink that consistently throughout the day of a game. Mm-hmm. Solid. Um, in terms of recovery, uh, obviously, I think one of the most important things that's kind of underlooked, especially by younger athletes, you know, when you can get away with less hours of sleep and, um, you know, not as much stretching and things like that, you know, what type of things do you do for recovery? Um, I'm definitely doing a lot of stretching. I try to stretch every single day. Um, I know you're a yoga guy. I'm a big yoga guy. Um, <laughs> I go to yoga in Afula. Uh, as much as I can. Um, I'm really inflexible. Um, and I, when I was younger, when I was in college, like I never stretched. Um, mm-hmm. And I really regret it now <clears throat> because I stretch o- almost every single day now. Um, mm-hmm. If I don't, then I'm screwing up that day and I'm not paying attention. But I feel so much better when I stretch and I can feel the difference in my muscles and um, – like if I have a hard game, I, I bought a massage gun. I'll do a massage gun. Um, 
and I'll try to go swimming like once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin that lives here is a masseuse, so I'll go to see him and um, wow. he'll he always tells me like once a week swimming is like amazing for your body for recovery. Um, for sure. But most important is stretching. Like it mm-hmm. only takes like 15 minutes a day. Um, when do you stretch after training before bed? I usually, I usually stretch when I go to the gym. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do training and I'll do like a little bit of stretching, but like for me, I need to be on my own and like completely focused to actually stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise I can't, I'm not like motivated or focused. So mm-hmm. later in the day, like at around six or seven, if I'll go to the gym, I'll do a little session and then like 15 minutes at the end, always stretching. Um, and yeah, I have to do it on my own. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just being focused, uh, on your muscles and, and loosening them up obviously help, helps as well from the, on the mental side. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in terms of sleep, what time do you usually go to sleep? I'm usually in bed by midnight. Um, mm-hmm. if I usually sleep at midnight and I'm waking up at eight, so I'm getting eight hours. Um, for sure. Yeah. I think that's, you know, eight hours is like the average, like it's a, that's a good amount of sleep. What are your what are your thoughts on sleep? Do you think it has a big effect on performance? Of course. I mean, if you don't sleep the night before uh, even a training, you can feel mm-hmm. you can feel the difference sure. that you're not yeah. awake, you're not alert. Um I'm also sleeping 1 hour during the day, so that's another extra hour. Um mm-hmm. But it definitely it definitely has a big part to play. I know I remember I read something about Michael Essien who used to sleep like 14 hours or something a day um, <laughs> really yeah some yeah, crazy Africans, man. some crazy amount um yeah. wow no i mean i think it's it's one of the most underrated parts of, of performance and you know parts of just like you said it improves your performance on the pitch improves everyday life and uh it's something that's free, but it's obviously it takes some discipline to be able to get to bed on time. And uh, obviously the quality of sleep matters a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Of course. But yeah, getting get to the last bits now. Um, obviously a question that I that is tough to ask, but I like listeners to hear. Uh, obviously there are many ups and downs of the game and it's just a roller coaster, highs and lows. Like you said from the beginning, you just got to stay even keel throughout the highs and lows. Mm-hmm. But were there any any points uh, in your life that you thought about hanging up the boots, going to do a regular job? Um, if so, what made you get up and, and keep going? There was never a time where I was like, I'm going to give up and I'm not going to play anymore. Um, but since I came here, there's definitely been some times where like I've been really down. Um Mm-hmm. There was a time last year um, in the January window where I was like at the point where I was like, I think I want to go home. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. be in Israel anymore. I want to go home and <clears throat> try to play back at home. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was like a, for me, it was a combination of stuff. Like, at the time, soccer wasn't going well. My team wasn't doing well. Um, I had a bunch of stuff going on at home, like personal stuff with my family. And mm-hmm. it was just hard for me to be here alone. And I was, I talked to my agent, I talked to my mom and I was like, yeah, I think, you know, it's maybe time to go. Um, but I spoke with my mental coach. Um, I spoke with uh with friends and like all my family and <clears throat> I ended up staying and I think it was one of the best decisions I made to stay um mm-hmm. because I just realized like you always got to think about the bigger picture and you got to make the valleys sure. as short as possible and the mountains when you're climbing when you're going up as long as possible the good moments um mm-hmm. and before that scenario, I would say I never had a time where I was like that, that low. And um, mm-hmm. 
I never faced like adversity like that um, in like my playing career in college and high school. Like I was always one of the best players, I think, wherever I played um, mm-hmm. and everything kind of came easy. Like I obviously I worked hard and everything, um, but you can work hard and things, things don't come as easy sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was just a moment in time where, I was feeling really low, um, but I ended up sticking it out, and I think it was a great decision that I did, and I ended up signing a, another year in Israel. Um, For sure. And, and here I am. No. For sure, man. And what are your, like, if you get into those low periods, those low states, uh, negative emotions, um, I think you had said it in the beginning of the podcast, but what are what are some things that you that you like to do to get out of those states and kind of uh, shift the mindset a little bit? train more um <laughs> honestly like if you have a bad game like go train um because mm-hmm. like that's that's what's going to get your confidence back up and um focus really hard on the trainings like trainings are so important because um that's what's showing the coaches and the management and everybody obviously the games are like what everyone's seeing but they're not seeing what's going on mm-hmm. behind the scenes every day. The coaches sure. are seeing that. Um, and obviously you train, you play how you train. So if you're training well, you're going to most mm-hmm. likely play well. Um, and talk to people. Like like I said about my mental coach, talk to, talk to a mental coach. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends. Like Don't just keep everything inside because that makes it so much mm-hmm. worse. Um, and go out and enjoy your life. Like, for sure, you go out and do stuff that you like. Um, and in Israel, we're kind of blessed that we can go and travel to places that are not far from us. That you know we haven't been around our whole our whole lives, like Jerusalem. Um, mm-hmm. That's one example. Going to the north in Haifa, where you live, um, seeing the gardens, and like, where you never come. <laughs> soon I'll, I'll be there soon <laughs> i promise yeah. um, but no but it, it's a great point i mean I, I think it's um i think when you first get into the game uh, i was like this i'm sure you were like this you know you, you feel like you have to be super 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 strict and like you said you have to just focus on football and then when you come home it's like you know you just sit around and you recover and you relax but you know, you can do that stuff by, you know, being out. And like we said from the beginning, just kind of detaching from the game sometimes helps you recover mentally and physically. Yeah. I I also think, like, when people talk to me about what I do, like p- playing soccer and everything like that, like, everyone talks to me and they're like, oh, it's so it's so cool what you're doing. And, like, yeah, it is. But mm-hmm. people don't realize how boring it can get. Like, you're stuck in the same For routine. Sure over and over you don't have class after afterwards with friends and everything like we had in college um mm-hmm. and when you're becoming a pro for the first time you got to realize like you got to learn that you got to find ways to do other things like be more than just the athlete um of for course sure. take care of the athlete stuff because that's your life that's your livelihood um but there's more than that mm-hmm. no that's a great point and honestly one of the main reasons I started this podcast, it's called the footballer's journey. And cause I want all, all footballers to share their journey, other pros. So other youngsters can hear other players on the journey can hear that. It's, you know, it's not all sunshines and rainbows and glitz and glamor. You know, you got to make a ton of sacrifices. And like you said, a lot of that is being away from friends, family, home and other comfortable situations yes definitely for sure man but um if we could just kind of end the podcast with like a gist of it all i like to sum it up um oh wait i got one more question for okay. you before we sum it up if you could go back to yourself at any age you wanted to and give yourself the wisdom that you have today at 23 what age would you choose and what would you say to yourself Wow. Um, I'd probably go back to when I was 16. Um, Mm -hmm. Because at the age of 16, I was with the mindset of like, I'm a really good player. Um, And I was, it was great that I was, I was thinking like that. I was super confident. I was like, I'm a great player. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And you know what? I I don't even need to go to college. Like, I can go to Europe anywhere right now. And if a team offers me, like, I'll go and just be, like, a beast. And I was so naive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five years later, I ended up coming basically to a European environment. Um, well, we're in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think now, like, what if I did come over here at, like, 16? Like, would I, by mm-hmm. myself, like, would I actually be able to survive? And the real answer is, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I understand that, like, European countries, they go, a lot of play, players, like, that's all, like, football is all they got. Um, and I, I understand that, but I'm also so grateful that I went to college that, um, I have my degree now, like college was such a great time for me, soccer wise and socially and academic, academically, it was a great time for me. Um, and I loved it. Um, but yeah, I, I would go back to 16 and just be like, (laughs) be confident, but like, also don't be so, so naive, like. Just keep working. Just keep like you're you're on your own path. Like you don't have to, because mm-hmm. now you're seeing on like social media and all this stuff. Players, young players going over here and over there, um, and that's great. Like uh, especially American players, they we should be testing ourselves in other leagues and other countries. Um, but for me, like you know, everyone has their own path, and for sure, um, I went my way. Other players are gonna go their way, um, and the, yeah. I guess that's what I would say to myself. No, I think that's a great point and very undervalued. Uh, you know, it's easy to, to have that cliche of cliche saying of you have your own path. But like you said, actually truly living it and believing it is key because, like you said, every individual is different. You don't have to, you know, fit into the same mold and conform to other parts of society. You got to do what's best for you. You know, what's what's going to work best for you. And like you said, I think that's a great point. The fact that you, you don't second guess yourself. And like you said, you know, what if you came out here at 16, you know, and you weren't, you know, maybe you wouldn't have been prepared. Maybe something uh, would have happened. You would have had an injury or something like that. God forbid, but you never know. And like you said, being confident in your own path is key. I mean, everyone has their own timing for different things. So Mm-hmm. You just got to be ready for your timing. And uh, yeah, that's it. For sure. And and I think a big part of this game is uh, just always being prepared, always being prepared for the opportunity because a lot of this game is luck, opportunity, um, and, and sometimes, you know, being at the right place at the right exactly, time. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but just to end the podcast, you know, if you could give the audience – the younger players, other players still on the journey looking to secure their first contract. Just two to three pieces of advice uh, that you feel are most important uh, in succeeding in the game. Um, I think I think what I'll say to players is like just kind of a recap of everything that I've said is like you're going to go through valleys and every player does and you got to make those last as short as possible. And you got to pick your head up mm-hmm. um, and get back on the grind. So you're back at the peak. You're going back towards the peak. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, work your hardest. Do do your best in every training session. Um, take care of your body the right way. Because um, if you're constantly doing the same, the, the right things. Um, another book that I, didn't, I forgot to mention, The Compound Effect. If you're constantly compounding, mm-hmm. um Mm-hmm. that great great yeah, that's, point. that makes the difference um but also f- take care of your mental side um because that's probably the biggest thing more more important than even the physical side of the game um if you're mentally right you're gonna play right um and, yeah i think i think those three things probably the what i would say to a younger player in so many words for sure, man. And I think the mention of the compound effect and just that mention is huge. That's something I talk about all the time. Like, um, you know, and just even reverting back to the beginning of the podcast on not letting your emotions control your actions. 
like even if you're kind of in a low state in a low period and going back to what you said about if you're in a low period you train it might be <clears throat> people might think that it's um that there's no point or whatever but but if you look at things like you said from from a bigger picture and you just look to put in the right work every single day over time that work compounds and and it adds up to something much bigger yeah i mean nothing is going to change in a day or two if you want to get better at something mm-hmm. if you want to improve something you got to do it every day for a long period of time and you'll see the results and like the the most important thing i'll say is always look at the bigger picture don't look at one day sure. like it can kill you or it was the best day of ever um because mm-hmm. there's always tomorrow um and it's mm-hmm. always about the body of work that you're doing um for sure yeah no great point man uh thanks for coming on the podcast uh I appreciate you dealing with my hectic schedule and <laughs> you're a busy uh, man. I know we've been trying to we've been trying to do this since August. <laughs> For real, you're a busy man, hard to reach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I expect a podcast coming out from you. Soon. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Got to got to do some work and planning before I start that. For sure, man. The, the Jake Rosansky Com <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> but yeah bro uh if people want to reach out maybe ask you some advice some questions uh you want to drop your instagram or yeah wherever is best um, to reach you and then I'll, and then i'll put it in the in the bio if anybody wants to reach out to me um you can reach out to me on twitter and instagram it's j-r-o-z-1-2 the first letter j like jake and uh r-o-z like the first three letters of my last name and then 12 my the number i've been since i was a little kid Love that, brother. Love that. You gonna be in Tel Aviv this weekend? We'll see. I got a game. I got a game on Friday, and I think I'm off Saturday, so I'll probably be around over there. Cool, man. Maybe we could we could head in the in there together. Let me know. All right, brother. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, you better make your way to Haifa. <laughs> no problem, bro. And, I, and I'll let you know. I gotta head up there. Uh, all right, brother. Uh, Have a good too, one. Bro. Bye, peace. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much once again for listening to this episode, for giving me your time, your valuable time, your valuable attention, concentration, and focus. I'm sure this episode helped you. Like I said, I learned a lot, always a ton of golden nuggets from these people coming on the podcast, great people, great professionals. They just demonstrate what it takes to play at the next level, what it takes to stay in the professional level, in the professional game. And I'm just really, really grateful for doing this podcast and I'm going to keep doing it. I really just appreciate your support. And like I've said before, if you enjoy the podcast, I would really, really, really appreciate it if you could go over to iTunes, wherever you're listening, and just give it a review. If you want to contact Jake, if you want to speak to him, I'm sure he'll be glad to answer your messages. You can find him on Twitter or Instagram at jrose12. That's J-R-O-Z, that's Z-12. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend. As always, if you have any questions, slide in the DMs. Out.